You say, which verse, Brother Mike? I'm going to let you sweat it because I know everybody that knows Malachi chapter 3, you're thinking, he's about to preach on money. Not going to preach on money this morning, though. Missed it by that much. <laughs> verse number 16. If I'd have started in verse 7, you'd have been in trouble. We're starting in verse 16. You still might be in trouble. I, about halfway through the sermon, you might be thinking, let's hear that portion on tithes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Malachi chapter 3 this morning. Let's read in verse number 16. Let me go to the Lord in prayer first. Lord, we thank you this morning for your goodness and grace. We come to you one more time this morning asking you, God, for direction, for leadership. I pray, God, that you would Lead us by your, by your spirit. Lead us by your word. And I pray, O oh God, that you'd give us the grace to follow you. The flesh is weak, God. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And I pray, God, you'd forgive us how we've uh, come short this week, how we've sinned willingly. And God, I pray that you'd help us, God, to, uh, Lord, to live correctly, God, to walk correctly. And I pray, oh God, that we'd have a, a testimony of a Bible-believing Baptist church. We'll thank you and praise you, God, for everything that you do. In Jesus Christ's name I ask it. Amen. Amen. All right, verse number 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. How often you talk one another? Oh, I, amen. Uh, how often do you want to talk to one another? That's a good question there. Uh, me and Brother Calvin there, we, uh, we made us up a standing date. We're going to go uh, have dinner every other week. We're just going to try to fellowship, and anybody else that wants to go can go with us. And, and we, you know, we're not going to be in, everybody, in each other's hair every day, but we made up our mind we're going to sit down and fellowship and talk with one another, try to be a blessing to one another. And, and I think we need more of that. I think we need more of it, not less of it. You say, why? Because it says, they that feared the Lord spake all often one to another. Now, if you get somebody that fears the Lord and all he ever talks to or, or, or the only person he ever hears from is Brad Pitt, he might begin to suspect that the whole world hates God and that nobody cares about righteousness, but you'd be surprised there's some folks out there that love the Lord. Amen. Amen. Some of the folks you go to church with love the Lord. Amen. And so I, we don't really have that much of a problem of it here. We've got a good church and people love one another. Uh, but you'd be surprised what you're missing out on, the fellowship of your brother. You'd be surprised that the folks that are sitting across the aisle from you probably having some of the same experiences you are and going through the same troubles. And it'd be good for folks to fellowship. Amen. The Bible says it's like honey run down on the beard of, of Aaron. It's sweet. Amen. Fellowship is sweet. God's people's fellowship is a sweet fellowship. And the Bible says, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. Maybe you know a Christian that lives in Kalamazoo or Texas or some other place. Maybe you ought to call them and say, hey, just thinking about you, praying for you. Amen. Of course, I recommend you be praying for them. When you tell them you're praying for them, amen. I've heard many of folks say, I've been praying for you, and, and I just don't know if they were praying for me or not. I don't know. I take them at, wor at their word, but you know, uh, you'd be, uh, if you was honest, if you'd be honest, you've probably told somebody you was praying for them when you ain't really been doing all that much praying for them, amen. Well, I recommend you talk to God about your Christian friends. I recommend you also talk to your Christian friends, Amen. 
That'd be a good idea. You say, why? It said, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. The Lord heard the folks getting along together and praying for one another and saying kind words to one another. God bless you. God heard that, he said. He said, the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord. The Lord started writing it down in the book. Hey, do you see what he just said to that brother there? Let me write that down. Let me write that down. You know, it's good to write some things down. The Lord writes things down. Today it makes 10 years that I've been the pastor of this church, and I was looking through my journal. Not a diary, it's a journal. <laughs> Amen. And back in the day, they called them diaries. But then the girls kind of took over that part of the world. And, and so we're kind of ashamed to call them diaries. But I was looking back through my journal. And I've been keeping a journal for quite a while. And I looked at, the, at uh, today and tomorrow and the next couple of months. You know, when I first came here, uh, my wife wasn't able to come with me. I was here for four months by my lonesome. And boy, I was burning up some gas going back and forth between here and Delaware to see my children, my wife. And, and I was looking down through some of those things and some of those old thoughts and fears came back and I was able to see them there on the page. Uh, afraid things weren't going to work out and different things like this. And so it's, uh, it's good to remember some of those things. I saw one, I saw one, uh, entry that said, I said to myself, I guess when you're writing a journal, you're either saying it to posterity or you're saying it to yourself. And one of those entries, it said, I need to be more demonstrative. Our church is kind of dead. <laughs> Amen. I need to get on with it a little bit. Amen. And so many things, so many, so many uh, problems and trials and disappointments and encouragements and joys. And I would probably never remember those things if it hadn't been for a little remembrance. That's what he says here. He said, the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord. And that thought upon his name, you fear the Lord and think on his name. Not only do you think of one another, but do you think about the Lord, he says. He said, I, the Lord looked down and saw some people speaking well to one another and blessing one another instead of backbiting and murmuring and complaining and folks that feared the Lord and he looked around and he saw a couple people in deep thought. The Lord said, let me delve into that mind and see what they're thinking about. Lo and behold, they're thinking about the Lord. You know, the Bible said there's, the, the Bible has recorded uh, through the history of time, generations, that the Bible says that, that God was not in all their thoughts. God looked down in Genesis chapter 6 and he said their hearts were evil, were only evil, continually. That's bad. The Bible says in the New Testament that they have eyes full of adultery and just all the time. But this is uh, the Lord sees these things and remembers these things. The Bible says he wrote it down and he said it was written for, before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. You've been thinking about the Lord. Good news. The Lord been thinking about you too. Amen. Amen. Now look what he says in verse number seven. Well, let me read it again. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. 
Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. And verse 17 said again, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. Now I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning about you ain't no jewel. Do you feel like a jewel this morning? Do you feel nice and shiny? I mean, when the Lord opens up his jewel box and looks down in there at you, do you feel like you are uh, burnished or do you feel like you kind of dull? Good question, ain't it? Good question, ain't it? Well, I got some good news for you, but let me put, let me, let me, uh, let me tell you what the Lord put on my heart first of all. Now, Throughout the, throughout the church age and different, different, at different points in my life, I've heard, uh, I've heard it preached and taught that this is a reference to God gathering. Of course, it says here, God gathering his sons. He said, I will, get, I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. And no doubt, the Bible says we are the sons of God. Amen. So this is a reference, uh, at least in a typical form, of God gathering the church together, his jewels, and he refers to them as jewels. So it can be a reference to the church. Over, let's, uh, You can hold your place there if you want to. I don't think it really matters, but if you want to hold your place there, turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25. Ephesians 5, 25. And it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water, washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. You ever seen a diamond? That's glorious. Amen. He said he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You ever notice when you, uh, I, I've never had any jewels to pawn, but uh, I've seen one on TV. <laughs> you ever seen the jeweler when they get that diamond, they'll put that little thing up to their eyeball and they'll begin to look at that jewel and they'll begin to look at, the, look at its qualities and stuff. They're looking for blemishes. They're looking for spots in there. You know, that, so the Lord here, he says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So this right here tells us about, you know, the Lord sees us through his merit, not our merit, but the Lord, he said he gave himself for us that we might be Without spot, without blemish. If he wouldn't have sacrificed his life for ours, we'd have to give account of our own life. And that would not be without spot or blemish. So it's by the grace of God that we can stand before him without spot or blemish. Now, some of you have been saved a year. Some of you have been saved five years. Some of you have been saved ten years. But the Lord, if he gave, if he, if he asked you to give an account for your life right now, you couldn't honestly say that you've lived without spot or blemish for the last 10 years or one year or 15 years. I ran into a fellow one time, a charismatic preacher, and uh, he started telling me about all this stuff I needed to do and stuff like this. I just asked him if he was saved. Uh, he told me I could lose my salvation. I said, are you even saved? He said, "He said, of course I'm saved. I said, well, you're talking about this losing salvation stuff. How in the world do you lose salvation? He said, well, you lose salvation by sinning. 
I said, well, I've done sin since I've been saved, ain't you? He said, no. He said, I never sin. You say, what you doing, Brother Mike? I'm hiding from lightning. You know how much sin it took to get Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden? Eating one piece of fruit. And the great big discussion ensues. Well, what does it take for a man to lose his salvation? Evidently, disobedience of any kind. He ate a piece of fruit. Did you know Adam was born saved? He was born perfect, was he not? Innocent, was he not? You say, what did he do to get kicked out? He ate a piece of fruit. But the larger sin is disobedience, see? Disobedience. And this fellow says to me, he said, I never sinned. You know what that fellow's problem was? His standards was low. Amen? If you got a low standard, boy, you can set yourself up pretty high. But I got news for you. God's standard's pretty high. God judges us by His standards. That's why He died for our sins. Amen? Now, the price of our salvation was His death, burial, and resurrection. When we believe that that is, uh, that it is not only, uh, that it's not only sufficient, but it's appropriate that he should die for us, that it would take him and that would take his power. If a man's going to get to heaven, you'd have to have the power to get there. Amen? If a man would live up to the expectations of God's principles, it uh, it it would be reasonable to suspect that that man would have to have that much righteousness in him. Am I right or wrong? Well, you and I come short of that. You ain't good enough. I ain't good enough. So Jesus Christ died on the cross. And then when he died on the cross, he took my sins on him on the cross. And he took his righteousness, Romans chapter 4, took it off of his shoulders and wrapped it around mine and said, Now this is my son. Right here, this is my son. And when Jesus Christ looks at me by his own merit and by his own grace, all that he sees is his son. And so that he can rightly say that when he comes, he's going to gather his jewels. They even they, it talks about that. We read it in Malachi and the old hymns and the old songs talking about gathering the jewels home. One of these days he's going to do it. And when he does that, you can fall down on your knees and say, thank God he didn't judge me by my own merits. Amen. Amen. Let's turn over and look at the book of Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. Now, I really want to make much of this, uh, of this idea before I go on and, and preach my one or two little points that I've got for this sermon. I want to make much of the idea that we are His jewels by His work. We appear before Him in a sinless manner because of His work. It is, it is God's substitutionary work that's so important in the Christian life. If we had to live by our own merit, we'd be hopelessly lost. And I want to point that out to you. Say, well, Brother Mike, I was baptized. That's not good enough. Amen. I said, well, Brother Mike, I spoke in tongues. That's not good enough. He said, Brother Mike, I was filled with the Spirit. You might have been filled with some emotion. I don't know. I don't know. Only you and God knows that. But if you hadn't been born again, 
No work of the flesh or no work of any other spirit can do that for you. You need to be born again by God's Spirit. Amen. You say, well, Brother Mike, I read my Bible every day. Well, there's been some great men in history read their Bible and thought it was a good book, but showed no fruits of being born again. Amen. Amen. That's true whether you like it or not. He said, Brother Mike, you're telling me my lifelong church membership doesn't add up to nothing? Not in God's sight, it doesn't. The only thing that adds up to anything in God's sight is God's Son who paid the ultimate price for your sins and for mine. Amen? He died on the cross. The wages of sin is death. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Amen? That was a direct quotation to an individual and to a group of people I should say but it is it is a great verse in relating the fact that no man is going to escape this earth without giving an account for his sins amen my advice to you is to let Jesus Christ give an account of those sins for you he's done it for you the Bible says there are false prophets and there's false teachers in this world that deny the Lord that bought them boy that's a black eye for Calvinism isn't it the Bible said those false teachers deny the Lord that bought them. The Lord's atonement for sin is for everybody. I recommend you don't get through this life without taking on his imputed righteousness. Amen. I want to make that very clear because I don't want to go on and preach the message that I have for you without you understanding that when you die, you should die in his merit. Amen. Now, Matthew chapter 13, look at this. We read about his jewels in Malachi chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 5, we read about God's people being without spot and without blemish. You know, the, the diamond or the jewel, the less spot and blemish that it has, the more that it's worth. Amen? That's why you get a 10-carat a ring and a 24-carat ring. The difference is the purity. Amen? You ever know, now I've never had any 24 karat gold, but it's a lot softer than you, than that. Uh, um, what do you call that titanium ring you bought down at Walmart or wherever it's at? Amen. That's where we shop. Amen. Walmart. But the the softer material, it's pure. There's less impurities in it, and that gold gets the cleaner it gets, the softer it gets. Amen. All right, that's the difference in 24 carat and the difference in uh, some lesser weight or some uh, lesser uh, description would be its purity. Amen? 10 carat or whatever the case might be. Plated. Amen? Live a plated kind of life. A lot of Christians live a plated kind of life. Amen? Oh, look at that. That's a golden jewel right there. No, that's just plated. That's just coming to church with the Bible under your arm, amen? You ought not live that plated kind of life, amen? You can get born again. The, the Bible says, he said, uh, I want you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. That makes 24 karat gold right there. He said, uh, I would thou wert cold or hot because thou art lukewarm. I'll spew you out of my mouth. He said, you, you think you're rich and have need of nothing, but he said, you're poor and wretched and miserable and blind. What well, their church ain't they? They plated. Yeah. Gold plated. He said, I recommend you buy gold, tried and fire, an eye salve that you might see. That's what some of us need. We need, need to rub on some of that good eye salve and get our eyes healed up. Eyes getting burned out by the things of this world. Amen. Yeah. 
You get on the news and think CNN's in charge of the world when it's actually the God of this world, the little G-O-D, amen? He's deceiving folks left and right. Everything gets a little bit easier in your own mind when you know that things work out just like the Bible says going to work out. Matthew chapter 13, he says this, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Now, right away when I begin to look at a passage like this, that super um, hyper dispensational. Now, Brother Mike, this is about the kingdom of heaven. You know this doesn't apply. Did you know Christians are going to wind up in the, Christian, uh, in the kingdom of heaven? Did you know that? Now, I, there is a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. So where does that put the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> it's on the outside, amen. The Bible says that there, are, there is a third heaven. We're talking about places where things exist. The third heaven is where God exists. Paul said he knew such an one that was caught up to the third heaven and saw things that he couldn't talk about. Things up there that God don't want us to know is there quite yet. Amen. So you've got a second heaven out there where the sun, the moon, the stars are, and you've got the first heaven right here. This is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So when you see passages like this that talk about the kingdom of heaven, you're talking about, did you know God's going to come here and take over one of these days? When you're talking about the kingdom of heaven, what you're essentially talking about is when Christ rules on earth. There's a thousand year reign of Christ that's coming up. You see all that? And so when you begin to preach about things and you begin to pull out little principles, people say, no, no, that's kingdom of heaven. That's not kingdom of God. Will you sit down and be still? Just sit down and be still, amen? You say, well, we're not trying to get in the kingdom of heaven. You're going to get there one of these days. Amen. The Bible said, listen, there was a price that was paid so that you and I could enter into the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Did you know the Bible says, I may as well throw this in because this isn't a long sermon. I'll throw it right in. Amen. Free of charge. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Now, did you know the Bible said no drunkard have no part in the kingdom of heaven? You can't drink no beer and have no joy. Well, you know, uh, there was a lady here, and and I, I don't have nothing against her. We had a good conversation and all this stuff. But she asked me, Brother... Uh, Brother Mark, I believe it was, was preaching against alcohol. She said, well, why can't we have a little bit of alcohol? Because it don't make no joy. That's why. Yeah. Right. Amen. You say, Brother, Brother Mike, what about a little bit? Well, I, let me see. My preacher had a pretty good way of putting it. He said, if ten drinks make you drunk, then you drink one drink, you're one-tenth drunk. <laughs> Amen. Well, that makes perfectly perfectly good sense to me. Well, if uh, if ten drinks destroys a life, then one drink is your one tenth destroyed. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. If it if it if it takes away your joy, then you're one tenth bitter. Yeah. Why give it a seed? Amen. Just cut it off. Amen. Cut it off. Amen. Well, look here again. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who. When he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had. Did you know God gave all that he had when he died on the cross for you and me? 
I don't have no I don't have no problem seeing that in the passage, do you? The Bible said he saw one pearl of great price. He sold all that he had, bought the field, amen, bought the pearl, bought the gave all that he had and bought it, amen. Who when he had found one pearl of great price, that's the salvation of mankind, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So here you can see plainly from Ephesians and Malachi and here in Matthew that God's sons are likened unto unto pearls of great price, jewels. Now let me give you one more passage of scripture. First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three, and let's look at the judgment. All of us are going through this judgment. First Corinthians chapter three and verse number twelve. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, Precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, the gold, silver, and precious stones. He said, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, the wood, hay, and stubble, you know that's how to build a fire, don't you? It's because it burns. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself, he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. In other words, God saved your soul and you're saved by his righteousness. Now the things that you do in the flesh when you die, you're going to stand before God and all those works are going to be put into a flame And the things that remain, the good stuff, is gold, jewel, silver, jewel, precious stones. That's jewels. But the things that remain will be burnt up, wood, hay, and stubble. You did it for yourself, burnt up. You did it falsely, burnt up. Then you see you're going through this judgment, and I've often heard people say, well, you know, what about the bad things you've done after you get saved? It's going to burn up. Look, it says the man whose works are burned up, he's still saved. Isn't that what we just read? If any man's works shall be burned, everything you've done, everything you've invested in since you've been saved, it says if any man's works shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I hope when I get to heaven, my whole life since I go since I got saved, don't go up in smoke. Yeah. Devil come to accuse me and say, "Look at all the bad stuff this fellow's done." The Lord says, "Well, there's my son on the cross, and there's all his works burn up, good for nothing. What you going to accuse him of?" Amen. The bad stuff go under go under the blood, go in the fire. For the Christian. Amen? So what we're talking about here is judgment. Our rewards are given for works like they're likened to gold, silver, and precious stones. Jewels. Amen? Now let me say this on your own. You know jewel. You know jewel. Amen? Let me, let me give you two points real quick. If God loves his word and you don't, you know jewel. You know, Jewel. Psalms 138.2 says God magnified his word above all his name. There's a lot of religious folks running around today say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Quote me a verse of scripture. You know what they'll do? They'll give you you, uh, vacation Bible school, John 3.16. 
Well, what's wrong with John 3, 16, Brother Mike? What's wrong with the rest of the Bible? Huh? I'm not putting down John 3.16. You're putting down the rest of the Bible. That's right. Well, I only read the red letters. You know the whole thing's inspired, don't you? I only like the words that Jesus said. Jesus said the whole book. It's all God's word. There's not one part that's more inspired than the next. There's not one part that's more truth than the next. I do realize that there are some men in the Bible who told lies, and God recorded those lies, but that was to magnify the truth. That wasn't so you'd believe a lie. All the Bible is true, amen? Did you know Revelation is just important as the book of John? Oh, we read John in Romans. Hey, did you know the book of Daniel is just as important as the book of John? Did you know, did you know that? Mm. I'll tell you what to change your Christian life. Let me tell you. There are people who once they get saved, they can no longer just go to church every Sunday and that's it. There are people that get saved and they can go to church every Sunday and that's it. That's the extent of it. But there are some people who will never be satisfied sitting on the sidelines. There are some people who will never be satisfied unless they can witness at work. I mean, and if you tell them not to witness, that's just going to... Uh, fuel the fl- the flame, yeah. amen. Hey, don't don't be bringing your religion down here to the workplace. It's just not appropriate. Oh, I'm bringing a thousand tracks tomorrow, <laughs> amen. Amen. During the lunch, I'm gonna put them on every windshield. Hey, if them jerks down at Walmart can put flyers on my windshield every time we go through the parking lot, hey, I can put a gospel track up there too, amen. And in the bathrooms, I. Lace them into the toilet paper and put them everywhere, amen? Just don't throw them on the ground. Don't like that too much. But you say, what's the difference between, what's the, difference between the man that genuinely gets saved and sits on the sideline and the man who gets saved and actually begins to live a Christian life? And I say that's a love of God's Word. They get in there, they begin to read, and something reaches in there and goes, hey, did you see that? It's the man that reads and says, I'll put it down. You know how you do the Harlequin romance. Just one more chapter. I, uh, the, the best secular book that I've ever read, read is John Adams. I don't remember how many pages it is. 300. I think it's 300 and something. I could be wrong. But when I bought it, I read it all the way through the first night. Matter of fact, it was... I bought it right before we came here 10 years ago. I read it that very night. I bought it, drove all day, got moved into the little apartment over there. Before I unpacked anything, I got that book out and began to read it. And the next morning, bright and early, I was reading that book. Read it all the way through. It was the best secular book I ever read. You say, why'd you do that? I liked it. Say, what'd you do after you woke up after going to sleep that morning? I, I was under conviction because I spent all that time in that book. Now, I've been through that book, John Adams. I've been through that book over 10 times. You say, wow, I love it. It's a good book. Real good book. But I've been through this book more than 10 times too. You say, why? What's the difference? Have you ever read a book and got halfway through it and went, eh? You say, why? It wasn't no good. didn't interest you. I never have wandered through Walmart and found myself staring at those books with the big He-Man hunks on the front of them. And, nope. 
I wonder what that book's all about. You know, that, that kind of book can't fool you. Well, I preacher, I bought this book. I thought it was about superheroes. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't, you old Jay Bird, you. Amen, you were sowing to the flesh. Amen, I know what you're talking about because I'm also enwrapped in the flesh. But what I'm saying to you is you keep going back to this book because you love it. And all this crowd saying, Jesus, 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 and they're not paying attention to the words in this book. What's the big deal if we all get a few issues wrong? The big deal is it's in there for a fifth grader to get it. Oh, the King James is so hard to read. It's a fifth grade reading level. Well, what are we to do? Get smarter, dummy. Brother Mike, I really don't think it's right for you to call people dummies, and I really don't think it's right for you to talk to I don't think it's right for you to tread underfoot the Word of God. Amen? I think God's going to be less angry at me for calling you a dummy than He is you ignoring His Word based on the fact you don't understand what the word thee and thou means. Thee and thou. I want thee to understand that thou art stupid. Hmm? We had some folks, uh, they come by a certain place, I won't say where, but got to talking with them about the Lord a little bit and invited them to church. They was just passing through town. I said, hey, come on, go to church with us since you're in town. They come to church the next day. They were nice and friendly people. I mentioned something about the King James Bible and the lady called me over and the man goes. He knew what was up. He didn't even warn me. But she began to correct me on my stance on the King James Bible. And the fellow sitting there beside his little wife and saying, well, he said this and he said that. I think he was genuinely on my side. I just think he was overmatched. <laughs> She said, I teach languages in school, in college. And I started trembling because, oh, my God, they wouldn't let a nut in, in the college, would they? I teach French, and I teach Greek, and I teach all these things in college. And my students have a very hard time with the language of the King James Bible. You know the these and the thou. She actually said that. And I said, well, when I was growing up, they told me that the students reflected the teachers. You can't handle these and thous. You need a different teacher. Glory. Is that true or ain't it? I looked over there at her husband, wondering if he was going to come to her honor and aid, and he's going... You say, what is that? True. It's true. If you can't handle these and thous and you're a grown-up person in college, shame on you. If you're a grown-up person that quit school in the fifth grade and you don't understand these and thous, shame on you. Shame on you. You've been, I bet you understand Control-Alt-Delete. I bet you understand Reset on your PlayStation. Hmm? You can't understand these and thous, but you can work an iPod, iPad. Right, 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 right. 
The problem is people don't love God's word. The people is people. Uh, the problem is people ain't afraid that there's something in this book that God's going to hold them account of one of these days. You better start worrying about that. Instead of sitting around wondering about what all Baptists are worried about, what can I get away with, you ought to start worrying about the things you can't get away with. The only thing, you're not going to find them from any preachers. You better get in the Bible and find out for yourself. Amen. If I went to a church where people was always nice, including the preacher, I'd be sweating bullets that I was missing something. Don't you live life? Don't you walk around this planet on a daily basis? Isn't there stuff, I mean, negativity everywhere? You think there ain't none in that Bible? Lord, have mercy. I guarantee you 90% of Christians don't even know. Be sure your sins will find you out. It's even in the Bible. But it's in there. It's inspired. It's true. That God's going to find you out. And the first thing he's going to find you out for, you decided you was going to get saved. You ain't feared God yet. You ain't feared being found out yet. I don't think you've been spending much time in that Bible. You ain't no jewel. Amen. Psalm chapter 11. Let me preach you my last point. Psalm chapter 11. Do you love God's word? You've been reading it? I think you ought to read it more and more. Amen. Psalm chapter 11. Read it from Genesis. Go to Revelation. Brother Mike, I don't think you got to read all. Is it in your Bible first? Read that first. Read all the way through. Somebody gets saved, I don't generally tell them. I have told them before in the past to read John. It's a good book to read. But I tell them to start in Genesis. Amen. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, them things are scared the daylights out of you. Wait till they get over there and start reading about all them rules and regulations of what God hates and what God can't stand. Oh my goodness, I do that every day. (laughs) You're not saved by being good, you're saved by being bad. Now you got to get in there and learn all the stuff that made you bad, amen. When people don't understand that though, because they ain't being taught that. Look to look in, well, this is only seven verses in the whole chapter. Let's read it. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Or the Pharisees. No, he didn't say Pharisees. That's a bad habit in the Christian church today. If somebody starts doing right, they start calling, hey, look at that Pharisee. That's that legalist. He, you know, he's doing, no, it's called righteous. It's not called a legalist. It's called being righteous. The righteous. He said, well, there's none righteous. No, not one. That's the state you're born into, not the state you're saved into. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. The found, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? In the modern Baptist interpretation, there ain't no righteous, so just let the foundations be destroyed. Do it how you want to do it. Amen? But we've got some foundations to stand upon. It was bought in blood, too. Jesus' blood and the martyr's blood. Amen? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold his eyelid, his eyes behold his eyelids try the children of men. That's what it said in Malachi. He looked down and he saw God's people communing with one another and fearing the Lord. He said, The Lord trieth the righteous, 
but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. I'm going to let that verse sink in. God is love. That's all the God that people know. That's a false God. What did that verse say? He said, he said, God hates them. I said one time, I said, I hate Marilyn Manson. I saw, I saw Christian jaws drop over the place. The preacher's supposed to be groveling at this wicked imbecile's feet and slobbering all over him. No, sir, I hope he gets saved. Then he'd be my brother. He'd be accepted in the beloved. But right now he's a rebellious reprobate that's leading 10 billion Christians to hell. I hate him. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. If, if, more, if more people hate him, they wouldn't be able to get away with that junk in America. Right, right, right. But people love it and people slobber over it. That's why he makes $10 billion. Americans are the dumbest people on this planet. Amen. Amen. And I would say that about Frenchmen, but I don't live in France. I'm preaching to Americans. Uh, you sit around and worship these guys like Brad Pitt. Look at all the money he's got. Michael Jackson, little child molesting, monkey loving devil. Right. Huh? I don't know if you could live with anything nastier than a monkey. Right. Have you ever seen a monkey? They're the nastiest creatures on the planet. Hogs are not as nasty as monkeys are. I've seen monkeys do the nastiest, most disgusting things of, of any creature on the planet. People look at Michael Jackson and go, oh, he's the king. Hmm? He's in hell with the other king today. Hmm? You say, well, what's your point, Brother Mike? It's all these people that are worshiping these rich devils. It's these dumb little people that are putting the money in those people's. You're financing him. Yeah, yeah. You do know that they cost $90 a ticket to go to the movies because that money's going to those jaybirds, don't you? That money don't go to the movie house tiller. It goes to Hollywood and it goes to pay them devils. And every time you buy a rock concert or a country concert, you're setting up a drunkard and an and a infidel and a man that won't keep to his own wife or a woman that won't keep to her own husband. You're putting up with that junk. And ladies just fall in love with Elvis. Oh, Elvis. And if your husband treated you like Elvis treated his wife, you'd never speak to him again. But he's a good fella. You worship him. You're out of your mind. Because somebody stole your righteousness from you. Somebody stole your principles from you. Somebody got up in a pulpit and told you, hey, don't preach hard. Don't say nothing hard. Don't. You just love everybody. You love each other into hell. That's what you can do. Hmm? Yeah. That's exactly right. And so I say again, American Christians are some of the dumbest people I know. And the Bible says that too. All we like sheep are going astray. Keep bumping your head, stupid, or turn around and go a different direction. Amen. He called us stupid. Look at the way you act. Amen. Look at the way we act. I'm just a dumb sheep too. 
Amen. The problem is I, I not only know it, I've admitted it. You know it. You just ain't admitted it yet. And if you'd ever admit it, you'd have just as much fun as I do. Amen. This is fun. If I was sitting out there and Lester Roloff was up here going, you dirty old rotten Christians, you ought to get right with God. I'd be going, yes. That's right. Amen. Well, you just got right because Lester Roloff said so. You just got wrong because the devil said so. I win. I win. I win that argument right there. All the devils in hell standing in pulpits telling people there ain't no such thing as righteousness. They're telling you lies. They're telling you lies. It'll change your life to get down and cry about the junk you've been trying to hide rather than, rather than pretending like it don't exist. Amen? All the stuff you've been looking at and all the stuff you've been desiring, it's good you just get down on your face and cry about it instead of pretending yeah. it's not wrong. Yeah. That's what you do. That's what you do. Well, how am I going to make it as a sinner? Get on your face and cry about it a little while. Amen? You'll still be a sinner when you get up, but you'll be a repentant sinner. That's what you'll be. Go run around for 25 years hiding stuff that's corroding your soul, pretending like it's right. No wonder you come out to destruction. No wonder you come out in jail. No wonder you come out dead. No wonder your family's ruined. No matter, no wonder you're divorced. You keep hiding stuff instead of pretending like, hey, God's okay with this. God ain't okay with it. God ain't okay with it. Amen. Just cause your preacher is, your preacher ain't God. These little 20-year-old preachers running around the country saying, la, 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 they ain't God. They're not God. They don't speak for God. Amen. The foundations be destroyed. What can the righteous do? I'll give you a little sermon right there. The righteous can still preach. Amen. Hey, Jeremiah, it's all falling apart. What you going to do? I'm going to get back in the pulpit and preach. Amen. The king tore up your Bible. What you going to do? I'm going to write it again. And I'm going to add some more to it. That's what I'm going to do. Amen. I don't like this message that you preach. Come back next week. I'll give you some more. Amen. Amen. The Lord is in his holy temple. Holy temple. Oh, y'all just holy rollers. Roll with us. Huh? Roll with us. We ain't rolling your, your direction ends. Wide is the gate. It's easy to get through, but there ain't much fun on the inside. Amen. Amen. Verse number five, the Lord trieth the righteous. Amen. I don't think every trial comes from the devil. Sometimes the Lord will send you a smart aleck to say, I don't believe that. Okay. So I'm not married to public opinion. If I was, if, if, I, if, I, if I had this great, and I, as far as the flesh is concerned, I don't want people to think I'm an imbecile or a moron. In that sense, I care what other people think. But when you disagree with the book, I'm going to have to go with the book. Now, here's what you do, though. you got contrary opinions. Take your book. And come sharpen me up, amen? Say, Brother Mike, I've been doing this, and I've been understanding it this way, and I'd like to show it to you this way. Then we got no problem. We sit down and have a Bible study together, amen? And if you can correct me and show me the error of my ways, I hope that I would be just as pliable and compliant as you should be when I'm right. Amen? Amen? But this is a rebellious generation. 
Hmm? You've heard me stand right here in, the, in this pulpit and say, I was wrong about that. I shouldn't have done that. I did that wrong. You say, what? Well, that's pliable. That's being able to admit when you're wrong. A lot of people ain't that way. They'd rather quit and go hide under a rock than have somebody know they was wrong in their actions or their doctrines or their deeds, whatever the case might be. You better get over that before you die. Amen. Death tends to be a brick wall that you can't get around. I mean, you're going to face that judgment. Your works is going to go in there. They're either going to come out jewels or they're going to come out dust. Amen. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. You better find out about the God you claim to serve. Well, that's the Old Testament. Did you know the Old Testament God still lives? Did you know there is no Old Testament God and New Testament God? That, that's a fallacy. That's a fallacy. That's a new religion. You know what the Bible says? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says, I am God. He says, I change not. Change not. The Bible says, don't meddle with them to give them to change. If your religion has changed from last decade to this decade, I'd get out. Now, you say, Brother Mike, well, they was wrong and they got right. Okay, I, I can allow for that. But if they used to like the old time way and they, they used to like the hymns and now they like the, you know, the, the jazzy stuff. No, sir, no, sir, no, sir. That's change. Uh, I mean, God wasn't able to figure out jazz till the devil made it. Never thought about that. Huh? You think God couldn't invent breakdancing if he wanted to? Brother Mike, I don't mind when the when the Christian musicians kind of sound like George Jones. I mean, that's kind of the way we was raised. You think God couldn't have invented honky-tonk music if he had thought it was any worth or value? You think God was up in heaven watching George Jones and thinking, boy, that's a good idea. That really draws them in right there. You think God looking down at Hank Williams, there's a tear in my beer and I'm crying for you, dear. You think God couldn't say, oh, I like that whiny kind of sound. I, I think I'll call my preachers to start singing that way. You think, God come, you, think God, you think God looked at the devil's devices and said, boy, that's good. You think God looked down at Hollywood and thought, I need me a few movies. I mean, Jesus and his gospel wasn't good enough. I believe I need me some movies. You think that's the God you serve? You are out of your brain housing group. Amen. You say, what is that? That's what your brain's mad out of. Amen. Amen. One of these days I'll get to the verse. Verse 6, upon the wicked he shall rain snares. There'll be traps laid out for you. The devil did that. No, God did that. Fire and brimstone, that's your ultimate destination if you're a part of the wicked. And in horrible tempest, going to be stormy life out there. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. You reckon Psalm 11 is true? Now look what it says in verse 7. We're talking about jewels now. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. You see that verse? God just doesn't require you to be righteous. He loves it when you are righteous. Let me say this. If God loves righteousness and you don't, you ain't no jewel. If, if, If God loves his word and you don't love it, you ain't no jewel. 
If God loves to see people doing right, if he loves righteousness, and you don't like that, if it's an abomination to your ears, if you can't stand to go down to the church house where the preacher's preaching, do right. The old colored folks used to say, here come the do right man. Why do you reckon they called him that? Because that's what they was talking about back in the olden days. I like old time religion. Old time religion was get right with God, fear God, and keep his commandments. You ever seen a kid sitting around in the living room and go, the ice cream man? Well, they're not insane. They hear the little jingle off in the distance. I know that song by heart. I didn't look out at that truck making all that wonderful noise and say, I think that's the mailman. I think it's the UPS, the parcel services coming down the road. No, wait, the little kids running up to the window. That No, there's no mistaking who he is. It's the ice cream man. Ice cream man. No, they called him the do-right man because the preachers used to stand up and go, get right with God! Get right! Hmm? One of the supposedly the best preachers in this country was Jonathan Edwards. He preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. You got to jump through hoops to get people's attention now. This fellow gets up and he begins to read. This is a reference to God gathering his sons. He refers to them as jewels. It can be a reference to the church. And read it deadpan like that, page after page after page. And all the Christians folded their arms and got bored after two hours and began to leave and go, No, sir, they got on their face and got right. You say, why? Because week after week that man come to the pulpit. You better get right. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. The righteous Lord loveth righteousness. They didn't fold their hands. I'll go to the other church. Guess what? When you get down to the other church, the righteous Lord's still going to love righteousness. And when the preacher in the pulpit gets up and says, we don't worry about all those convictions. That's the old way of doing it. We just want to love one another. The righteous Lord is still going to love righteousness. God ain't going to change his mind because your preacher did. Hmm? God ain't going to change his mind because your denomination changed it. Amen? If God loves his word and you don't, you're no jewel. If God loves righteousness and you don't, you're no jewel. Your life's going to burn up in the fire. You have nothing left for it. You have nothing left for it. Amen? Lord, we do thank you.